0: We're here to start off the week with minute ninety-nine of the Lost World. Dave, uh, I've been out toy shopping again. Picked up something. Picked up some of the uh, Matchbox toys for did did Fallen you? Kingdom. Yes, <laughs> I did have some restraint. I was going to get a few uh, multiples, in fact, but I thought, no, nah, I'll get one of each that uh, is on shelf and let other people grab some as well. Um, so I've got the the G Wagon, the Mercedes G Wagon. Mm-hmm. I wanted three or four of those to have a little fleet in my display, but I'll get that (laughs) later on when the stores get uh, resupplied again.
1: Did you get the Legends, uh, or the Legacy Line 5 pack?
0: No, I've not seen that yet. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's something that might not get out here. I might have to go online to find that. Um, right. But, yeah, I got the G-Wag, and I got that armoured troop carrier, the white one, the submarine and the little gyrosphere, which... That little Joris here is fun. It's got the little <laughs> cast iron centre in it that actually moves as you roll it, so... It's good to see some of those those figures coming out in the Matchbox line. They did have the the largest sets there, which is uh, uh, like the Hummers or the Trucks with the little plastic dinosaur that comes with them, but I didn't get any of those at the moment. I'll be waiting until I start work. <laughs> I'll start my new job on Tuesday, uh, the day this is released, so... Hopefully I have some money to buy some more stuff.
1: I um, went to work yesterday, and I, so I work at Kohl's, which uh, apparently is not going to be getting exclusive stuff. Mine hasn't yet, though. But it, I did find a pair of um, pajama pants oh, at wow. Jurassic Park. Yep. <laughs> so sp-
0: those are fun. Yeah, I suppose that reminds me, too. I also found a, um like the distressed Jurassic Park logo T-shirt in a dark grey for only $6 at my local Kmart, which I've never seen any. Jurassic Park-themed stuff anyway. There was a fair bit of Jurassic World stuff, but most of that was in the kids' section, where this was in the adult section, so I snapped that up pretty good, and I've now got an official Jurassic Park T-shirt.
1: Yay! Yay! (laughs) Uh,
0: That I probably won't wear. I'll go in the the cupboard with the rest of them.
1: (laughs) In the toy world, I think I um, found my favourite. I figured out which one's my favourite. Yeah. It's going It's the chopping. It's the extreme chopping
0: Rex. <laughs> I mean, this
1: thing is so much fun.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah, it still continues to remain by my side in the kitchen and that, and I play around with the kids a lot, doing cooking and <laughs> all sorts of different things with it. So it's just the playability with it's phenomenal, and I love it. Yeah, it
1: is. Nick. Nick.
0: Nick. Nick Van Owen. One last thing before we uh, get to 99. Colin Trevero came out this week, and uh, or this past week, and in an interview dropped a little bit of information on uh, Jurassic World 3, and that it's, uh, he's hoping it will put the focus back on real dinosaurs without the hybrid creatures. One of the uh, things he did say was that the, um, the Indoraptor marks the last of the uh, series hybrid beasts, and he's looking forward to, uh, in the third film uh, that it gets back to the paleontological wild animal, true dinosaur nature of it all. Great, why couldn't you have done that with Jurassic World? Done <laughs> <Yeah>, it <really. laughs> from the stars, like, okay, well you just now when you're doing Jurassic Park or uh, Jurassic World, for, you're glad to be back in the franchise after what happened to Star Wars, and it's just like, oh, now I'm going to make the sequel that you just all wanted to see, and we'll <laughs> unfortunately you, the boat's pretty much set sail to uh, San Diego on that one. But I see a lot of there are fans that are. Excited to see it possibly returning to that sort of theme. Not big fans of the whole hybrid, well, over-exaggeration on the hybrid designs and that, I suppose, since it has existed since Jurassic Park. But, but yeah, and also going back to more of a thriller, techno thriller like the original Jurassic Park as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I'm excited for. I'm not so much excited for um, Trevor returning, sorry to anybody who's a fan of his work. hmm <laughs> But he, I mean, he makes such hipster movies, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I just get the whole... It's such a hipster sense from the guy that he's, like, making these anti-commercialist movies in an ironic way, you
0: know? Yeah, and I'm... I'm not overly a, a fan of let's try and get back to the original and redo the original. It's it's kind of like in the Star Wars universe. Now, JJ's back for Episode Nine. If he turns around and says, well... Episode nine is going to be more like Empire or more like New Hope or more like, or most likely more like um, The Force Awakens, but mm-hmm. it's just the original films existed where they're still pulling ideas from the original novels, which is great, but stop trying to reboot or remake or retell the same stories we've seen from the start. That's one thing I'll give Jurassic World and now Fallen Kingdom props on is that sort of moving away, moving away from that idea. I've, I've seen a... Um, a post online the other day about someone asking about uh, just the repetitiveness of and why have humans not learnt that you can't just keep on opening a park and have it succeed or have something go wrong. Well, in the franchise, Jurassic World's the only time a park's been open. Yeah. And then even twice, twice it's involved a park and the other times it's just been on the island with animals and your plans go downhill pretty quick. But yeah anyway that's that's my little rant for the day
1: <laughs> I just want to say that Jurassic I find Jurassic World a very kind of bland and in a way safe movie you know yep I mean I see I I see that um I think that Fallen Kingdom is actually a much more visually interesting movie than Jurassic World was Jurassic World was in a movie in a franchise that um Kind of prides itself on being visually unique. Jurassic World wasn't.
0: Mm.
1: It didn't have any kind of simulti- cinematography. It wasn't really a. It wasn't even a really a visual spectacle like a Marvel or, or a Disney movie, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And the one one thing with it too, like the whole, the park's open five or ten years, whatever ten years I think it was after, that the park had opened had been running successfully for. Um, Ludlow has a line in this upcoming minutes. This this attraction will single-handedly drive turnstile numbers to out out do any other theme park i would have preferred to see the opening the, the the excitement of the kids like yes we've seen the kids riding around the dinosaurs and the whole the public's board with dinosaurs was not shown well in the film at all no every time you're seeing people it's... interacting with the dinosaurs they're all having fun doing it exactly and it's just I do I just imagine that day when the when the commercial started going out for Jurassic World or because um, the general public only really knew of the San Diego incident and that was eight years earlier. Yeah. The public forgets that sort of stuff pretty quickly. And then here, here we are, we've got dinosaurs coming back in a park. Most had forgotten that there was the previous incident had happened and they would have forgotten all about Jurassic Park and it's gonna make the same mistakes again. <laughs> <laughs> How many Sarahs do you think are on this island? Sarah! Seth. Just quickly before we get into 99, also one quick uh, bit of news for those in the LA area. On May the 11th, the Jurassic RV uh, restoration team will be at Universal Studios with the RV, as well as some other guys from the motor pool. Um, photo up on the events page now of the uh, RV and an M-Class there. So if you're in the LA area, uh, May 11th, head on down to Universal and... I think it's part of the uh, Jurassic celebrations on, that's on happening there, so um, it'd be great to see see it in real life. And if you got an M class or two parked there with it, it'd be even better. Great to get a photo with.
1: Always eager to see more um, fan creations with with the Lost World. I know that um, one of the I know that uh, somebody from from the RPF recently created a GPS phone in the same he was inspired by the novel of the lost world to create a gps phone yeah and so that was really interesting to see and plus we got, well, for a couple I mean you have a couple friends going to uh, the 25th celebration so it should be fun to see we might steal some of their photos punch <laughs> up on the thing if they we get them anything good
0: <clears throat> yeah we'll be annoying them with with uh, get Lost World, Lost World, Lost World. Um, yeah, right. But, but um, no, it's just great in sort of last twelve months or so. I'm um, pretty much since the anniversary last year of just how much more uh, fans are coming forward with stuff for the Lost World. Um, yeah. There's a few few Facebook pages online now that have uh, building their own M-class vehicles and even just following along with the RV restoration team as well with Frank on that and mm. what they've been doing with it. So. It is great to see. Alright, ready to get into 99. Yep. As we end on a minute 98 of the Lost World, Ian and Sarah arrived at the InGen dock, but the security guard was locking their gate on them, telling him it's private property. As we open on a minute 99, they continue to argue with the guard, but he's not having any of it, and closes the gate, locking them out. At 98 minutes and 8 seconds, we cut back to the crowd of people standing around Ludlow as he continues his speech. He notices Ian and Sarah standing at the gate and thanks everyone for turning up at the wee small hours of the morning. At 98 minutes and 21 seconds, he's interrupted by the harbour master, who tells him that the ship's here and that he'd better come have a look at something. At 98 minutes and 38 seconds, we cut inside the harbour offices as Ludlow and the harbour master make their way to the front of the building. At 98 minutes and 43 seconds, the harbour master points out to Ludlow the transponder signal for the SS Venture and that she's heading into port and they can't be raised. And as we end the minute, over the radio, it tells the SS has mentioned that they're approaching at flank speed and to slow down now. And this ends minute 99 of The Lost World. Last minute we've seen the Engine Corporate helicopter fly overhead and we um, had a bit of a discussion about that, of who we thought was inside, and looking closer it seems to be a Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, just that semi-mullet type hairdo, <laughs> on a guy in there or, or a female in there wearing sort of a cream-coloured suit. I suppose it doesn't really matter as much. We we thought it might be Ludlow, and I oh, know others think it might have been Ludlow as well, but we since we don't actually see the helicopter land at the dock area,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but then this could be... It, it could be carrying him from the airport where his private jet landed and taking him either back to InGen headquarters or back to the waterfront since it's a lot earlier than the wee small hours we see later. Yeah, true. We we had a good conversation about that over on the uh, Facebook page anyway, so you can check over check that out if you want to keep it going. But um, as we open, Ian is introducing himself and Sarah to the security guard, and um, the guard just simply replies, "That's nice." <laughs> and then there's a line here. Sarah says that they uh, have Mr. Ludlow's test results, and Ian says, <laughs> "Do you want the good news or the bad news?" It's it's like they're trying another ploy to get in.
1: Yeah, really.
0: And we discussed that last minute of just how many times have they tried to get into InGen Headquarters or with the time that's passed since they've been back of uh, trying to get in and get and talk to Ludlow. <laughs> After he sort of shuts the gates, we cut inside the fence as the gates close and we pull back to the crowd as Ludlow continues. Tonight we're Christmas Jurassic Park, San Diego. We have a mega attraction that will drive turnstile numbers to rival any theme park. And of course, yeah, you, you have a Tyrannosaur there. Fair enough, they didn't get any other animals on the island, but I think they come back with the one that would probably get the most numbers through the gate.
1: Yeah, that's true, because, I mean, T-Rex has been, since it's been discovered, the star dinosaur. Hmm. It's the largest, uh, or not the largest anymore, but it was at at the time in, um when it was discovered, the largest dinosaur, uh, carnivorous dinosaur yet to be discovered. It remains so for a long time. Yeah. Until they could find out that, of course, Spinosaurus and Gigantosaurus, Acrocanthosaurus, were all bigger. Yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, and that the, the the Jurassic Park definitely helped that um, along a little bit too, and then sort of the mm-hmm. the world's fascination with Sue and no one is in the '90s and that when all that sort of was happening as well. Yes. But you you look at any you look at any of the films before Jurassic Park, the the original Lost World and. All those other claymation type films, or even guys in suits, it's always a Tyrannosaur if it's tail dragon on the ground, or an Iguanodon because they yeah. got those thumbs on their hands and they can fight back, apparently.
1: Even though <laughs> you know, they didn't even live in the same. Yeah. yeah in the... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we had that problem with Jurassic Park as well. <laughs> this... Yeah, true. Yeah. Like, it, the... yeah, it was
1: pure and accurate.
0: Anachronism. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was just every time. It was just every time
0: period of the Meso- Mesozoic, mm. stopped at one. yep yeah. But then, yeah, like he yeah. says, and like I said before, I would have loved just to see that opening day of Jurassic World where internet, or even when tickets go on sale, just knowing what we can do now from concerts and football games and all that when tickets go on sale, internet sites crash and the uh, yeah, the, really. <laughs> the mayhem of it all.
1: Um, that was early 2005 internet. It wasn't even that good.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's before Facebook too. Yeah. So that'd be, that'd be interesting, but uh, yeah. So um, and then as um, we pull back here, sort of, Ludlow stops his speech and um, sees Ian and Sarah. He squints a bit because he's got some pretty big floodlights pointing in his face, but he uh, smiles a bit. Behind him, here you get to see a couple of the board members that were in that original deleted scene that. Haven't been mm-hmm. seen the film to date because that scene was cut, but um, it just sort of adds to the fact that there's there's v i p s and board members here as well as um the media and the security on site as well.
1: Um, yeah.
0: He continues as the harbor master approaches from the office. Uh, I want to thank each of each and every one of you for being intrepid enough to turn up in the wee small hours of the morning, which um we talked about that last minute how it's supposed to be three a m or round about that,
1: yeah. I think it's funny that he says that right after he squints and kind of figures out that Ian Malcolm and Sarah are there. Yeah. Because he's taunting them in that way, that he's saying, well, I'm glad you could come out and see my success, you know?
0: And we'll definitely get to that when we get to the shooting script, because he actually speaks to them and, um, and, uh, sort of does that insulting thing there as well, taunts them as well. But it's sort of, it's, I've seen this more as well of, um, sort of calling back to Hammond, just, because it's something that Hammond would say, but it doesn't seem like... It seems a bit off-script for what he's just been talking about. Mm-hm. Well,
1: he's not quite shown Hammond
0: yet. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come up in a couple more minutes. But, um, yeah. He uh, puts his hand on the microphone as the uh, man speaks to him and whispers that the ship's here. And Ludlow looks at him confused and replies, it's early. And the man uh, goes to say something, but instead just says, you better come and have a look at this. So... uh Ludlow mm-hmm. takes his hand off the microphone, and just sort of smiles like a uh, like a politician, and says, "This is so exciting," and leaves <laughs> <laughs> leaves the podium.
1: <laughs> I just noticed for the first time in my life, there is a man holding the spotlight in front of him. He just that's not actually somebody. That's not a spotlight on like a tripod or anything.
0: No he's, he's
1: having somebody hold there for him.
0: And that is a big floodlight. <laughs> he'd feel the heat coming off that, which just makes me wonder how he's really seen fun. Ian and Sarah at the at the gate <laughs> to start with. No, um, he's
1: wearing gloves for it. Mm.
0: And that's probably that's probably not an actor, that's probably just one of the production crew that's um that's mm-hmm. there doing that.
1: Might be. But he's wearing a um he's wearing a one piece coveralls with a pair of, like, looks like welder's gloves, because he's holding that hot <laughs> spotlight. And he's uh, got a name, there's a nameplate above the, uh, above the left chest uh, pocket, but you can't really read it.
0: Uh, I'd laugh if it said Spielberg or something, just a little, <laughs> straight <history> there. <laughs> um, yeah, so he leaves the podium, and uh, before he heads into the office, he um, tells the security guard stand there to uh, go and let Ian Sarah in. He wants him to see it up close. Mm-hmm. And this is another another thing from when I first seen the film. Another prop or um, costume I really wanted was the engine security uniform with the hat, the blue. And that
1: guy's name, the security guard is named Hamilton. Yep. And I, something I do like is the, um, the is the shoulder pad, uh, or not shoulder pad, the um, shoulder insignia that he has mirrors the ACU's mirror uh, uniform patch. Uh, placement, yeah, and because the ACU had the exact same patch shape, um, in the exact same location, but of course it said ACU instead of engine. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's like a
1: nice callback from Trevor.
0: Yeah, the costume guy. Yeah, yeah, and it, again, it's sort of a different, a slightly different um, color variation of the engine logo as well. Where normally it's white background, blue lettering, or um blue background white lettering here it's sort of the um, dark blue patch with the lighter blue lettering and then it's got the dark blue stitching around um, yeah. each part on the thing which I really like um,
1: I would not mind having the, either this guy either a patch for this for a hat like that or a patch like a shoulder for like that
0: you know? Yeah, that would be cool yep. I know there's some custom ones on eBay um, but I think they're more of the ACU design where it's a lighter grey um, or the blue with the white stitching and the white InGen logo on it.
1: Yeah, they are. Um, yeah. But yeah, it would look good on, like, a cap,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's... I had might.
1: a cap with um, the Jurassic Park logo, is kind of similar to the VET cap, which is that um, you can see Jerry Harding wearing. Yeah, yeah. The yep. uh, tan with the green bri bill. But um, I placed the patch too high. Oh. <laughs> I sold the patch on too high, so it came out kind of looking funny. Oops.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but, um, uh, yeah, we enter the office, um, and I just love how you can hear Ludlow's footfalls as he's entering as he's walking on the planks. Um, Mm -hmm. a couple of photos on the wall of old uh, sailing ships in frames. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it just, in the in the script, it's described as a shack, but this is obviously a lot larger building. But it just seems this building was built back when Jurassic Park San Diego was built, and it just hasn't it, been updated since.
1: It probably was, just because I mean, frankly, it was. If it was supposed to be the, har- the main harbor point for Jurassic Park off of Isla Sorna, then it would probably have been around like state of the art, like the park was back then. Yeah. of course not
0: 1997, it's just not, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because it's sort of a lot a lot of the computers and the equipment just looks like it's um, sandwiched in on the desks and that. Nothing's really looking like it's in place. Even when we get here with the um, harbour master and the monitor watching the ship come in, it's just like all the radio, the phone and everything's just sitting there in one big heap.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, like it's all just been retrofitted in the last few months just to take the uh, SS Venture and when it got back from um, sauna mm-hmm. but and again too it's just the way that wooden floor in it, and everything's no wonder it blows apart later on when the ship hits it just an old building as we walk through the room here we get a bit of a goof here as well with the clock on the wall that clearly says 925 mm-hmm. <laughs> which is always a fun one to spot we come to the front area with the windows looking over the water and uh the man tells Ludlow, "Here's a transponder, 58 or Venture 5888. they head heading the port, but I can't raise them." And uh, Ludlow says, "Try again." And I just, I just love when bosses tell you to after you tell them that something isn't working, they tell you to do it again anyway.
1: Yeah, right.
0: It's the bane of my existence. It's like, oh, I've said to you, it's not working, <laughs> and now I've got to go uh, through this whole this whole thing again just to show you that it's not working. But, yeah, we get a good look at this monitor here, and as we said last minute when we are talking about the uh, Lost World RV screens and mm-hmm. the, the guy with the, um, all the art for that, still all the programs, this one being one of the monitors we do get a good good long look at. Yeah. And that Venture yeah, 5880 dot approaching the harbour.
1: Yeah, it's also in the making of... I think I mentioned that last... Um, I think I mentioned that last minute, but, yeah... You can see the um, that exact screen in the harbor and uh, the making of for the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we get sort of a good look here of the waterfront. Well, not even the waterfront complex. It's just a little dock. It's pretty. Um, it's pretty a simplistic photo, but we'll sort of talk with Lorenzo on that on the Facebook group about the uh, location mm-hmm. of Jurassic Park San Diego and the waterfront complex, whether or not they're even in the same. Area or same location mm-hmm. because more so for back when we were on the island with Ludlow doing his speech, and we had that concept art, and the Jurassic Park San Diego was clearly out, sort of like in a marshy or a wooded area, um, and not near the city itself.
1: Yeah, but of course that was concept art. Concepts change, yeah. Changed, you know? But the main, but the main jetty of land here that the that is built on seems to be based on a place called Belmont Park. It's a beach that's right right next to SeaWorld San Diego. Yeah. So it does appear to be based on a real location.
0: And if you're... you're, Yeah, and if you've got Jurassic Park San Diego needing to receive cargo, um, not just much supplies, but animal cargo, then you want the distance between the dock and that facility to be as close as possible.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're importing live creatures, you know.
0: Yeah, and we had the we had the whole discussion back when he was doing that speech too. With Ludlow telling the board very near to where you're sitting now at the waterfront complex, whether whether InGen headquarters is there as well, because this docking area doesn't look that big. Even before when we've seen Sarah and Ian get shut out the gate and pull back to the uh, to the podium where Ludlow's sitting, it's not a very large space. But there might be something off to the side that we don't see, and it probably mm-hmm. extends a fair way. But
1: now the interesting thing here, though, is—and you mentioned this on the Facebook page when we were talking to Lorenzo—is that the dock does not follow the shape of the dock in the bo- in the movie on the screen.
0: Well, we only get that that whole right side of the dock where, on the screen, it sort of looks like it continues on where a ship could berth sideways. Um, yeah, well, there's only. Okay. I
1: was gonna say this actually happens in the um, in the story uh, yeah, the, yeah the storyboards for ILM is that the ship was coming in to dock sideways and it didn't hit the dock head on like it does in the movie. instead there seemed to be a later a uh, second st- storyboard art in one storyboard art that I think was for ILM it uh, docks on the side and just smashes the dock from the side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because there's only here. It's in the next minutes. Uh, my no, next couple of minutes where it actually, um, collides with the dock. There's only one shot high up where you see it coming up the middle, and you can't. It's a bit dark over on that right hand side, so you can't see what continues that way. But everything else in the film pretty much takes place on the left hand side, where the podium was.
1: That was interesting. Completely a miniature.
0: Yeah. 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 Which we'll get to when when it crashes because. Yeah, I think it was one of the better ones they've done in the uh, franchise, but not the Harbor Masters on the on the radio SS yes, Venture. This is Engine Harbor Master. Do you copy over? And there's a little squawk from the radio here, and I'm, I've seen it a few times where people think that's an animal on the radio. The ship's already been attacked. It's, this all happened yeah. hours ago. Um, there's a and reason. They have,
1: they seem to have happened out to sea.
0: Which does. Raise one little issue I've got. If that ship's... Yes, it's it's obviously coming in on autopilot um, that would have been set when they left Sauna. And then all, all the stuff on the boat happened, what happened, it's just kept on sailing forward. Um... I, I'd have to have a look at this area that you've sort of marked out as where the possible real-life location of it is. Is it just open to sea, or is it inside like a harbour?
1: Um... I'd have to check. I can't remember. But I do remember that I think I viewed it on Google Earth. Yeah. And there are some kind of like mental gymnastics that would have to... Or like physical gymnastics the ship would have to do to have hit that dock head on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sort of just thinking if it's had to... If this is in sort of an actual harbor and his, the ship's had to enter that harbor, then... There's normally, most of these large harbours now have got harbour control and everything else at the mouth of the harbour that monitor ships coming and going. If that ship's coming in at what we learn next minute is 26 knots, which is about 30 miles an hour or 48 kilometres an hour, um, it's going to be making a noise, it, like, there's going to be um, Coast Guard, stuff like that, responding to it well before it gets to the engine dock. So that's why I'm just wondering if it's just coming straight in from sea. And there's no no actual harbor there, and the engine harbor master is more just the dock the dock master, and not air quotes harbor master.
1: <laughs> um, it seems to be completely open to the sea. Okay. But again, how the sh- uh ship went, it may have been turning north, or I'm sorry, turning west to have um to be entering into the harbor when it was. When it was attacked, and that's why it comes in from the west instead of coming from the southwest.
0: All right. It should have been. Well, it might but, have. It might have had. There might be specific plot um, GPS plot points along the way that it's got to go past. Um, yeah, past. To go up, up level with San Diego, then in maybe. Um, off the top of your head, do you know how far, kilometer or mile wise, it is from coast to coast in the states? Uh. What?
1: Coast
0: to coast from uh, east uh, coast to west coast. Yeah, probably like L.A. to New York or something like that.
1: Um, I think it's approximately 3,000 miles. It's that's... That's not as an exact estimate, but I know, I know the United States can fit safely within the Sahara Desert.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what I right. thought. It, that's what I thought it was. But um, just again on Google Maps this morning, thank you to that earlier Lost World site we had back in '97. Uh, one of the map screens on that actually gave GPS coordinates for the made up ones of course for the lab the, for the worker village and the boneyard and all that and they all um, pinpointed a spot off the Costa Rican coast um, yeah. which and even sort of cross, cross laying that with the map we see in the RV at the start of the film the distance between that and San Diego looks to be roughly about the same distance as the bit for the US there so it'd be about again about three thousand miles, and if this boat's doing twenty six knots at top speed, mm-hmm. um, I've got it. I've got to calculate somewhere. I'm not going to math it, but that that seems to be more than a day's travel time. Yeah, it does.
1: But then again, the travel times for the movies never exactly made sense because, yeah. you know, yeah, or yeah. the books for that matter. Now that I think
0: about it, <laughs> yeah, and we we've made that made that or talked about that last week too with um, the boat getting back who bet who the baby mm-hmm. being back and still being heavily sedated um, mm-hmm. but it sort of just, just make you wonder alongside so with the uh, the helicopters Ian and that getting rescued and uh, they obviously didn't fly back to San Diego in a Huey because they can't go 3,000 miles on a tank of fuel and even going way back to the first Jurassic Park and the engine helicopter flying to the island and back from the island too like in the novel, it's completely known that they fly out of San Diego, uh, San Jose, and not the states. But it's never, never really played up in the in the movie at all. Especially when Grant tells Hammond to call the mainland, and tell him to send the helicopter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. It's about three thousand four hundred
1: sixty-six miles. I just looked it up.
0: Yeah. 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 So yeah, and that's just again here they're sort of they they're wanting to tell this bit of a end to the story and they're not really um, going too factual about it but um, we pan back down to the monitor as the dock continues to move forward um, and he's on the radio game skipper SS Venture approaching the breakwater at flank speed reduce it once over and um, that dot just keeps on beeping and moving closer and closer to the, to the dock but uh, that's where the minute ends 99 um, and if on that you want to discuss before I go into the shooting script
1: I just want to point out, really funny, that Belmont Park, where um, this is supposed to be, is actually an amusement park. It looks like it's huh. a seaside amusement park in the vein of Santa Monica Pier, or Coney Island.
0: Yep. And I know here where there's a couple of, um, I suppose, major theme parks for us, they're all sort of in the same location, whether it's to... Um, just to, so when tourists come in, you're all in the one spot so they can visit all the parks and do all that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. give you their money. So it's it's sort of natural to think that maybe, okay, Jurassic Park San Diego probably would be on the other side of the fence to SeaWorld. Um, well, um,
1: Lutlow well, no, actually did use San Diego along with San Diego Zoo and, for some reason, the Chargers.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> As, um, beautiful Animal Attractions... To, um, San Diego
0: mm.
1: and of course San Diego does have SeaWorld and then you got um, the zoo and also uh, what was it um, uh, oh um, of course uh, Disneyland um, just north of that
0: yeah yep
1: and then Orlando does the same thing they've got Universal Studios and Disney World right next to each other
0: you know hmm so, yeah, it makes sense, and that's, that's what Ludlow's getting to in that, opening, in that speech he does there of just Hammond abandoning that idea and going to the island instead. But, um, yeah, so moving into the shooting script, last week um, we've seen the demise of Ludlow, much like we see at the end of the film, but it's back on sauna with the male uh, not being tranquilised, instead carrying him off to uh, let the baby finish the job. But um, as we look at the final page of the San Diego script, we cut to... Uh, a cemetery and snow falling on a crowd of onlookers. There's a well-presented coffin covered in flowers, and on a nearby table there's several photos that have been arranged, and uh, we see that it's John Hammond, and it's um, he's died. Mm. I would have, I would have loved to see what these photos might have been. Surely there would have been one of him on Jurassic Park, whether it's holding the baby Raptor or something from there, with it being one of his loves.
1: Mm. I'm not sure if they would have used that photo but I I undoubtedly think they would have used one of the um production photos that they took of him. Like the one where he's um in uh in the not the lunchrooms. Yeah, possibly the lunchroom scene or the one where he's talking with Ellie about the power of Jurassic Park. Yeah. there is, there is a um production photo of him from that scene and it's a very nice um Profile picture. It's an it's got the uh, nice large depth of field where the background's blurred out.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You see his head. It's a, just a nice headshot. Mm. And then of course there's also um, possibly photos of him from other movies that he's done that they could have. I'm sure they could have used or movie or um, even family photos. I'm sure they. I'm sure Richard Attenborough would have wanted uh, giving up a few copies of family photos to um, share,
0: you know? Yeah, and that's what they normally... Yeah, and that's what normally happens when you need photos like that. Like, I'm sure there would have been some photos of him younger. Maybe maybe if he served or something and used photos from The Great Escape or something like that. Even, even some photos. I'd love to see a photo of him and Muldoon in Kenya <laughs> at the zoo. Yeah, that
1: would
0: have a really cool photo. Just the do
1: some... you know what... I was going to say, do you know when um, Robert Peck died? It was before 97. They could have uh, feasibly gotten a picture of him and uh, Richard Attenborough together, like maybe on the Mombasa set, uh, set you know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: At a table or something. And then pegged that for their park in Kenya, you know?
0: April 4th, 1999, he died. Right. Um yeah. 45 to 99 so 64 64 so again sort of it's only four years post Jurassic Park so you could have like even John he's sort of aged up a lot in the film at the start where he's sort Mm -hmm. of looking a bit sick you could put a bit of dye in the hair and um, even just dirty the photo up or make it a black and white photo or something from Mm -hmm. obviously being taken in Africa and the early eighties or mid eighties or something, so or a Polaroid but Yeah. Stuff yeah, just stuff like that would've been a good little Easter egg to see but Yeah, would
1: have. Yeah.
0: But um a uh, minister reads from the Bible and we see Ian and Kelly standing away from the crowd watching from afar. And at the graveside a young woman of sixteen turns and recognizes him and she nudges a young man next to her who's about thirteen. The young man turns and gives Malcolm a smile and as the ceremony ends they walk over to him and Malcolm says hello Lex, Tim and this is where we get our Lex and Tim cameo um, at the funeral at the end of the film
1: Yeah, uh-huh.
0: Um, Lex kisses him on the cheek and Tim shakes his hand and, um, and then introduces Kelly to him which they're meeting for the first time and um, Lex thanks him for coming and they are going to call him in a few days they've decided they want the world to know what happened on the islands and Tim explains it's something they feel John would have wanted um which is sort of interesting because again, no San Diego here, so um, there's no the world itself. The world at large isn't aware of what happened on New and Sauna, but um, Ian sort of questionly asks why? Why would you want to do that? And Lex says because it's true, and uh, it, and Malcolm sort of says if the world found out, it wouldn't last very long, suggesting maybe more pillaging in the island or maybe some sort of government oversight or control. To, to, uh, or
1: possibly even more Ludlow's in Ingen,
0: you know? Yeah. Second attempt. Yeah. Yeah, because of the whole the whole Harvester Sauna was pretty much Ingen's last go, and they uh, in the script here it didn't work. They um Ludlow's dead. More money, mm-hmm. more money spent that they didn't have, and uh, Jurassic Park San Diego's going to sit there again being unused, and this is Chapter Eleven for Ingen, so.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm talking Simon Masrani, yeah, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, people like him who do see the mistakes made and see ways to fix them and have, has that vision and will to actually do it, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. Malcolm says even if um, those four are the only ones that know about it, it's, it's still true. Because at this point, he's still disgraced as well. Without that T-Rex coming back and rampaging through San Diego... He's still yeah. being discredited by Ingen as telling lies for going public about Jurassic Park and the people that died there. Yeah,
1: that is true. I forgot about
0: that. So here, here at the end, he's pretty much saying, "Well, yes, going public with it would um, save his career or prove that he's right, but um, at what cost?" Sort of thing. And he, and his, um, his tide is where he's he survived another dinosaur island. He's um he's done with it and. Sort of uh <laughs> sort of uh he he prefers he, he can just live on with Sarah and Kelly in, in peace and um let the whole thing blow over mm-hmm. He says the thing about reality, even if when people stop believing in it it doesn't go away and Kelly smiles and interlocks her fingers with him and uh we cut back to sauna, the camera floats over the worker village as if in a dream, and we get Malcolm's voice over uh, do you feel the wind blowing in your face that's real. The camera drops down to the roof that the helicopter had landed on the night before and we see the hole in the roof and the pteranodon nest inside and the nest's been rebuilt and there's a dozen eggs inside. And then voiceover again, do you feel the four of us standing here today? That's real. Um, And then we see the pteranodon land gently on the nest, ever so gently, oh, carefully it positions itself over the eggs, lulls itself into a roosting position and folds uh, giant wings around its body and... uh, the last line from Malcolm, and maybe that's, all no, that's still all that matters. And um, the animal raises its head and opens its beak and squawks up to the heavens, and we fade out.
1: Yeah. And then was actually partially, wasn't that from Thorne, uh, Dr. Thorne from the last World novel?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's... It is a different take, but it's sort of like in the film, we do get that return to Sauna at the end with... Uh, Hammond's Hammond's voiceover in the film instead of Malcolm's, but same sort of thing. Seeing that seeing that Trinodon lean on its nest and sort of look after its babies as it squawks into the air, and we get the Trinodon appear at the end of the film anyway. So mm-hmm. the San Diego script on a whole, um, we were going to do an episode along uh, like set to it and go through and read it, but that's. <laughs> That's a four-hour episode we're not going to do, which is why we started integrating into the show when we got to the Worker Village at last. But um, it's definitely worth a read. I'll put a link to it up in the uh, this week's post for the minute today's minute. And um, just some of the stuff, some of the differences, how they get to the island makes a lot more sense. And for the most part, I, I really liked the San Diego script, or the pre-San Diego script. Again, we're going to get into it now with uh, the future minutes with uh, the, the saw in San Diego and um, some cool stuff it does here, but, but um, if the film was just this, I'll, I would have been happy with it anyway. Yeah,
1: honestly, I mean, it was a good script. It was honestly, I can see Spielberg's wanting more for the end, but I, the San Diego scene does kind of feel tacked on when you read this, and you can definitely feel... Brighton's hand in this script, and I think that that's helped.
0: Definitely, definitely. But then again, too, it's sort of, he's um, referring more to his previous novels than to the previous movie, like having Malcolm sort of start to go stir-crazy when they um, start trekking across the the island and that, where that's sort of, that's definitely Malcolm from the novel and not necessarily from the first movie.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it does, I think it works, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they threw it all out and we got what we got, so... <laughs> um, anything else on that you want to bring up before we get out of here for the day? Uh, no, I think we're good. Alright, All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com Facebook, thelostworldminute Twitter, at thelostworldminute and Instagram, thelostworldminute Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. All right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me. This recording, and uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad, I'm Dave, and uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Later, bye. It is absolutely imperative
1: that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island, these creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.